Hi, and welcome to Purpose to Perform. I am Dr. Joe Brown, APA titled sports and exercise physiotherapist, mentor, and coach. And this is a new podcast dedicated to high performance for anyone who's up for it. Driven by purpose, join me as we dive deep and explore what it takes to be a high performer, integrate and assimilate cutting edge evidence, learn from experienced experts in all aspects of high performance and ultimately inspire your journey into performance. Whether you are an athlete, coach or allied health professional, this podcast is for you. Welcome to my world. Welcome to Purpose to Perform. Let's do this. I'm Dr. Joe Brown, speaking with Alia Atkinson, champion. Seems like this word isn't enough to embody Alia Atkinson. The first black woman to win a world record in swimming at the 2014 World Course Championships. And 2020 would have been her fifth Olympics. I was lucky to meet Alia and worked closely with her at the 2018 Commonwealth Games at the Gold Coast. A heart and smile of a champion. Welcome, Alia, to Purpose to Perform. You embody our mission, that is to create, educate, and inspire the extraordinary. I'm so excited to chat with you today. So, Alia, current world record holder in the 50-100 metre breaststroke, where do you go from growing up in Jamaica where there was, what, how many Olympic films were there in Jamaica? You can tell us that because I don't think there was many. And how do you go from that to being a world champion? Just tell us about that. All right. Well, hey, Joe. Nice to see you again. Um, I think my journey started from an accident, I want to say. So my family's always into track and field. So Jamaica, Usain Bowles, everybody knows track and field. But... Um, when we were younger, my father knows how to swim, but my mother didn't. And they went fishing a lot. And one time, my mother and my aunt were on a little dinghy, a little boat fishing, um, and water started to come in. So it wasn't too bad. Like My father um, wrapped a rope around him and then kind of swam to shore. Um, so it wasn't a terrible, terrible thing, but it, it planted that little bit of seed. It planted that mustard seed to make sure that when my sister was born, which is the, the first of the family, my mother made sure she learned how to swim as well. So mommy actually learned when my elder sister learned how to swim. Um, and as we were born, we each just started to swim. Wow. Yeah, I mean, once you reach the water, you really don't go back. <laughs> so for us, it was- Once you fish, where's the fish? <laughs> right? I can't expect a fish to come out of the water and run. That doesn't work. <laughs> um, <laughs> so after maybe a couple months um, of just doing summer, summer swimming um, in and out of school type stuff, we really had to decide what, what sport we wanted to do. And my whole family was in track, so it was kind of pushed us to track, but it was always swimming. So yeah, so we decided to break the mold um, for our family anyway, and we just started to learn to do more swimming stuff. There's only one Olympic-sized pool. Well, Olympic Standard Pool in Jamaica, which was built for the Commonwealth Games. Um, wow, amazing. Way backwards. So, yeah, so that's usually what everybody used. There's a few university pools that are 50 meter, um, not really sanctioned by FINA or IOC mm-hmm. or anything like that. Um, and then a few short course meters pools. So in a country with one Olympic sanctioned pool, you managed to become a world champion. 
Yeah, all I needed was one shot. <laughs> all you needed was one shot. How powerful is that? What a champion. So tell us about the belief that you had to have or, you know, the mindset that you had to have to, you know, coming from that place. Or did you not know that that was, you know, there was such a big gap between one Olympic pool and being a world champion? I didn't know because everybody around me was majority black. Everybody around me was swimming. Everybody around me did some sort of sports. So my mindset of growing up was always athletic built, always this is what you do, and people look like me. So I was always good. It wasn't until I went to the U.S. Um, I started going to college, and then I realized, well, <laughs> there's no other black person on this school deck. Um, and there was a pool every corner. I was just like, it was mind-blowing because you realize how, how little I had before. Yeah. Whereas when that was my whole world, that was enough. But it wasn't until I learned more, I was like, wow, there really isn't that much exposure for swimming in Jamaica. There really isn't that much pools and, and equipment and stuff to help generate a champion. And I guess that leads into my next question, Alia, which is, I guess, what challenges you face being Jamaican and being a swimmer? So... And what does that mean in terms of your career and things you may have, you know, challenges you may have faced or things you may have missed out on? So I've always been an introvert. So missed out on social-wise? Eh, I never really <laughs> much importance into that. It's not until I'm older I see, I see the huge benefit of having that social life. But while I was in it, it was always just swimming and swimming friends. That's about it. My faith as as a swimmer and solely trying to build Jamaica swimming, it was all just trying to continue because we've always had Olympians at every Olympics, maybe one, maybe two, but we've always had some sort of exposure and representation. But when I realized, uh, I think 2008, it was me and somebody else, and then 2012 came and it was just me. That was the, the moment where I was like, if I wasn't here, there would be no swimmer for Jamaica right now. And that, that was mind-blowing for me. Like, what? like a huge responsibility? Like, how does that feel? Honestly, at that time, I was so focused because there were so many things I wanted to do. That was the time I was going to retire. Like, everything was going to happen. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> I was thinking of so... Honestly, it was more of a selfish reason. So I was thinking of all the selfish things that I was going to do. It was me, 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 me. And I didn't really look at the whole perspective of Caribbean swimming, black swimming, um, Jamaica swimming. I wasn't really focused on that. And so was there a defining moment, I guess, where you knew that you were going to make it as a swimmer? Like now you've made it and you can claim it, but was there a point where you didn't know and you were still kind of fighting for that identity as a champion and there was something that changed? So looking back, I've always, I can pinpoint many different meets where I was like yes I was there I was the champion I had the mindset I had the, the accolades that I made it to all the different stuff but while I was swimming I always wanted more and while I always wanted more it kind of gave me that mindset like I wasn't enough mm-hmm. and so it wasn't until I was older where I started to, to, to get a bridge between not being enough and wanting more but while I was younger I always equated I want more to being I wasn't enough or I am not satisfied, or I am not content. It's good in one aspect because it does push me forward. 
it did feed that passion to continue. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, it always made me second guess every accolade I had, every championship. It was like, oh, well, maybe it was just enough. Yeah. But it was just swimming slow that day. It couldn't be me. And so that was something I battled with. So going into, I mean, NCAAs, I won my senior year, different Caribbean meets. And when I went internationally, I was always almost there, but never really there. Mm-hmm. So that didn't really help the self-esteem either. Um, always being good enough, but not enough. So when I got the first world record in 2014, that was a whole mm-hmm. mental split because it was more of, am I good enough? Can I do it? Everybody's like, no, you can't. You should stay where you are. I'm like, I don't understand. And it really took a lot of me staying up late the day before, mm-hmm. just getting out of my head, not allowing everybody's thoughts and opinions to become my opinions and realizing really owning it for yourself yeah I had to take it like if this is my chance great if it's not I can't say that I didn't try um and that was a defining moment for me because I was like wow I wanted it I went after it and I actually got it like usually those three don't line up how alive did you feel in that moment I've seen photos of you claiming that and you just look in body aliveness it's amazing funny enough when I touched the wall I looked for second so that just shows where my mindset was still. Because the day before, I had, I had been outtouched. I thought I had yeah. won the 50 and actually was outtouched. So that day, it was very similar. So I was like, I got outtouched again? Like, really, Alia? I was like, of course. So that's me. I'm, I'm good, but I'm not good enough, obviously. So, so that's I turned around. And, coming back for more, right? Yeah, yeah. So I turned around and I looked for second and I did see my name. So I was like, I'm pretty sure I didn't get third. So that's when I fight and I got first. I was like, wait, 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 wait. So um, coming back to the challenges. So you mm-hmm. said, like, obviously, you're a little bit of an introvert and you're cool without the social stuff. How have you gone with things like, you know, travel and support with staff and, um, you know, suits and stuff like that? Because that's such a huge part of, like, what we do in swimming now. And I have had some stories I understand now you're sponsored by Speedo, which is awesome, but I know that wasn't always the case. No, it's, it's funny when you said staff. I don't know what that means. So, no, it's I know what that means. having me for a couple of days, right? <laughs> right? It's when my mother comes and she's now a nutritionist head coach. <laughs> the whole shebang. But for me growing up, I've always had my coach. I've always had somebody who believed in the process and was willing to, to follow me through the process, even if my results weren't that great all the time and as I got older especially after I finished college where the free suits are done I had a real financial issue because I didn't know what to do Um, I could swim where I was swimming before which was fine but the suits the caps the goggles all that it it was a lot Um, and we didn't have the finances to do that I would have to go and get a job and I didn't know how to do both trying to put one foot in the real world and getting a job while also being a competitive athlete we used our contacts and we got in touch with Arena, we got in touch with Nike and all these other products. And they're like, yeah, yeah, we'll give you a suit. We'll give you a suit. I'm like, great. So I reach um, a couple of weeks before the Olympics. They're like, yeah, yeah, suit's coming. I'm like, okay. <laughs> a couple of days before I leave, they're like, yeah, yeah, don't worry. It's in the mail. We're gonna, the, your coach is going to get it because I was leaving. The before it's in the mail, right? <laughs> so my coach is like, don't worry. When it comes, I'll bring it. So I'm at the Olympics now. Coach comes, there is no suit. I'm like, I only have one race. Like, hopefully two times was in my head, um, potentially three. 
I just have one race and I do not have a suit. Thank God it was in London, so easy to move around. Um, everybody spoke English, so I could just ask my way around. And that was the first Olympics my mom went. So she pushed it into gear. She's like, not mother, turned into manager slash <laughs> supplier. And she so took cool. to the roads. She yeah. took to the roads in London and try and find a, a speedo store. And the day before my, my, the meet started, she found the speedo store. But we didn't have enough money. So I had to use, because um, all the money went to whatever tickets we could buy, because the tickets are ridiculous. Yeah, I know. Right? Um, yeah, so we finally got my per diem for being at the Olympics. We used that money to go and buy a suit. And I had my suit right for the next morning <laughs> of Olympics. So this, this is so powerful for other swimmers to hear around the world, because I know working with Australian swimming, there is suits are just a thing that people just you know get another suit out of their bag you know that's what happens so this is really powerful and you know the mindset to overcome that and what that means and sorry London what happened was it fourth London 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 was fun um after that race I swam really well because I had I graduated in 2010 and I decided to dedicate those two years just for Olympics and then I said, hey, I've only been 21st before at Olympics. I'm like, if I don't make finals, I am retiring. If I don't make top three, sorry, I am retiring. So I'm like, you know what? Give myself some unrealistic expectations. Because who would think coming top three after being 21st? And I said, yep, that's it. So I gave it my all. Um, I did, I think, a best time in prelims, dropping a lot from before. And then I tied going into in semifinals I've never heard of an Olympic tie before absolutely not so that was like all right Alia you you wanted to make finals this is your shot but I'm not you're you're there but are you good enough that just kept coming back in that whole story coming back hey I was pissed I was pissed it was against the Canadian uh, 200 brush choker and we were I think the meet had probably another event and the relays and then it was going to finish. So they decided, Hey, do you want to do it after the relays today or tomorrow morning uh, or tomorrow in between? And all the Canadians are like, no, no, let's do it now. Like she's a sprinter, you know, like she can't recover. No, no, let's do it now. Cause the other one's a 200 pressure, but she can wake up back up again. <laughs> and I remember my coach just looking at them and be like, she's ready now. She's ready now. Let's and, do this. Right? And I was so pissed. And I don't know why. I think because I was so close, but I didn't get it. Or like, would it really come down to me showing my effort or showing, like, still proving, still proving. Yeah, obviously that am I enough question going around in your head, right? Oh, my goodness. But so, I yeah. So I took that's it. a sign of a champion, right? Like, so champions is never enough like you're always learning growing and mm-hmm. it's you don't just arrive you know at being a champion you're always a champion it's a mindset it's not like an achievement I think yeah, yeah so that's a real powerful realization I think yeah. so you, you know you can say you're going to retire earlier but you're just going to do something else amazing <laughs> we all know that oh thank you <laughs> so obviously there was some fuel in the belly after London 
And sometime between London 2012 and 2014, this little thing happened called a world record. Right? Yeah. So what happened in that time? Like, were there changes you made or was it a mindset thing for you or a physical thing? What happened? I think it was both because after 2012, when I made it to finals and then I got fourth, I was like, oh, oh, this is, oh, I am enough. I'm not enough enough to get top three, but... I'm not enough to retire. I'm not, I'm back here. I'm not enough to retire. I'm not there. It was like answering my question, but still igniting a fire. Like, yes, you are enough, but I'm not going to give you this yet. Because if I give you this top three, maybe you're going to retire and just be happy and grateful. I don't want that. No, no. There is more. So just put me on the cusp, like 0.3 off of, of a medal and just keep on going. Yeah, and so at yeah. the next couple of years, I, I, I trained to prove that there was something else left. It wasn't just an Olympic thing. And that's when I got into World Short Course. Um, that, yeah, that just took off from there. So we mentioned that moment before of winning that world record um, in 2014. And that was quite a historic moment in swimming. Yeah, not a lot of people... <laughs> I guess not everyone listening probably gets the power of that moment from a lot of levels, like for you personally, obviously, but what it meant for swimming for Jamaica and for like black people in swimming. And I know that can be, you know, taken the wrong way at the moment, but I mean it from a true sense of empowerment, you know? Yeah, totally. I understand. Um, For me, it was just winning a race, showing to myself I was enough to the world. It was showing that people of color, black people, have already been enough. We just needed a venue and a chance to, sh- to show that, to prove that. So as I started swimming, when I left Jamaica, I haven't really seen that many people of color in swimming. But as I've gotten older, especially in my latter years in the sport, there are so many coming up from all the different African nations, the, 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 the Middle East countries, um, the Southern Asian like everywhere. And it, it's so happy to see that because a lot of them look at me. I was like, thank you. Or um, I saw your race. So Do you, think, yeah, do you it, think you've been a leader in that? I think even if it's not a leader, um, the fact of representation, which yeah, I wow. think was never established, um, especially with social media and videos of, of, of swimming before um, YouTube, all those things weren't really present in the past. So seeing all of this now, having it at their fingertips, to say, hey, she did it. I can do it too. Um, I think has has ignited something in everybody. And if I can equate that to the oral record, great. But I think what that did was spark not just people of color, but also other swimmers to say, hey, you can't count anybody else. And especially not for where they come from or the color of their skin. Wow, amazing. That's really awesome. I can just see your face lighting off, but I just want to jump through the screen and give you a hug because you're so awesome. <laughs> So how has it been, um, I guess, growing up and then becoming a champion as a minority, I guess, as a you know, black mm-hmm. woman in a sport, like you say, that's been so dominated. And I guess it sounds quite weird, but to contrast you with, say, Sally Pearson, the Australian hurdler, who was, you know, the, the white girl lining up at the um, finals at World Champs as the white girl against mm-hmm. all the black girls, you know, and... I've worked with the Jamaican fringes and I 
I can see that contrast and I see you as kind of that same thing, right, within swimming. And how has that kind of influenced your journey, do you think? Has it been hard or has it given you gifts? It has been hard, um, but also because of my introverted nature as well. So I'm not really the one to go out and make friends. I'm not, I'm not mm. going to walk up to somebody and be like, hey, hi, guys, how are you doing? And, and become a posse. Um, so because of that, I've always been isolated already, especially when I'm the only one going to a lot of the meets. I don't really have that team, that automatic bond of sitting down with somebody at lunch table. I feel so <laughs> special that you brought me lunch at the Com Games. <laughs> Uh, she she was so worried about me not eating. She brought me lunch, so she's. she's... <laughs> I know the importance of lunch. <laughs> because of that, I I think it opens me up to see others who are like me, others who are sitting alone at the lunch table, others who are looking around with shifty eyes, like do they see me? Do they not? Mm-hmm. And I think for me, it opens up my eyes to see more people, um, not just be uh, caught up with oh they're fast, oh they're fun, oh let's sit there, let's be there. Um, it, makes, it makes me go to the other minorities, the other people who may or may not be seen, who are looking at others, but they don't recognize that in themselves. They don't see the potential or the confidence in themselves. So I really try and make an effort to go to the other countries, Saudi Arabia, Abu Dhabi, like all over where women are either oppressed or this is not where they're supposed to be, um, even in their own countries. Um, why are you wearing this? Why are you swimming like this? Like everybody has a struggle. Um, and I, I, I have that. I can see that. And I'm able to present that to them because I'm coming from almost like, I can talk yeah, to it's them. like you see them and no one else does, right? Basically. Um, and I remember there were two kids at Worlds. Like, they looked probably like 10. They were probably like 14 or 15, but they were about five, two, really small. And they were so afraid to be on the pool deck. They were shaking, just staring at everybody, put on their suit from like three hours before. And even when I spoke to them, they were just very shy. But it wasn't necessarily them not knowing where they were. They knew. But it was people not seeing that they were there. Like, they had to get out of the way of other people when they were walking, not people walking around them type of deal. So I think for me, especially in my sport now, it's, it's making everybody be aware of everybody else and trying to help those who feel they're not accepted or feel this isn't their place to make them feel at home. Because we all love the pool, we all want to swim, and that should be the common denominator. We all need to feel like we belong and are connected to others, right? We all need to be seen. Basically. What a special person you are to recognize that, and what a powerful place to be in your career. Like, it's amazing, so good. After 2014, Mm -hmm. you went on, I met you at 2018 Commonwealth Mm -hmm. Games. Yeah. And what happened after? Come games, Alien. Did we have a little think about retiring again? In twenty fourteen? In twenty eighteen? Twenty eighteen. Oh, because I did after twenty fifteen too. Yeah, I know. <laughs> no. Twenty fourteen. Oh my god. So if it we fast track to twenty eighteen, so you did twenty fourteen, twenty fifteen when we're gonna retire again. Twenty eighteen, Commonwealth Games, silver medal, got silver bronze. In twenty eighteen? Yeah. Silver. Silver, yeah. 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 So silver medal, then what happened? I don't know. I think it was the same ideology of am I enough? Yes, I am enough. And then swimming and then realizing, nope, no, you weren't. No, no. No, you still got me. Oh, no, you still 
went a lot slower than you were supposed to. And it's just like, I feel great. My mental state is great. Physically, I'm great. I don't understand. I don't understand where I am. And somehow it always opened up at <laughs> Commonwealth Games. Um, so 2014, not to go back, but 2014 was that same type of realization. Because I'm mm -hmm. finally, I'm here. I'm enough. Great. And I still couldn't produce goals. And it's funny because maybe two months later, I did the times that I needed to do. But I just couldn't do it there. And it really just shook me like, okay, is this what I was waiting the last two years for after Olympics? It, it could be. Obviously, I'm done. And my staff was there. My staff. <laughs> my coach and my mother <laughs> was there. They are staff, aren't it? <laughs> so they were there. And they're like, look, if you want to finish, fine. But don't feel like your last race defines you. It doesn't define your entire career. And that just made me continue to see, all right, let's keep on going. And like six months later, I broke the world record. It's really hard when you're in the storm. Can you storm. say that again? So six months later, after saying you were going to retire, you broke the world record again. Your own world record, correct? No, that was the first one. That was the first, first one. Okay. Yeah. After almost thinking like, this is, this is done. I don't understand why I'm still swimming. Um, obviously, enough is enough. But I am not enough. So let's just give up with this now. Um, I stuck with it and I kept on going and six months later I broke the world record. So the for first all the listeners out there, they're probably going, how can she think she's not enough when she'd achieved all that already, right? But this is, grateful, everyone out there, this is what it takes to be a champion. You're always second guessing what is enough. And, you know, you can yeah. only retire when you're actually settled with what is enough for you. And this is why we have, such athletes like Alia just challenging herself constantly. And not everyone chooses that, but we all have to choose our own performance in our own lives. So thanks for sharing that, Alia. Oh, it doesn't um, help when your trainer um, says to you, hey, anybody can do it one time, but only a true athlete can do it another time. So that first one was luck. That first world record was luck. That'll make it go to your head. <laughs> Like, so, great. so you got told that your first record world record didn't really count and you had to do nope, a second nope. one to really claim it? I have to do it again. Anybody can do that. Like you said, anybody can go to the Olympics. I can pay for a ticket and sit in the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. Mindset, huh? Just perspective. Wow. See, I would never settle for that. Like, it's, like for me, I'm not going to go as an athlete, but I've got to go as a physio and show my worth, right? So... So December 2018, another world record. Yes. Was that after coming up again? Yeah. Oh, snap. Well, there you go. All <laughs> right. I know your career. <laughs> it's all good. Oh, she just good. goes by how she feels. So if she if she is enough, not really by the accolades. That's funny. Well, yeah. Um, I think that was the first time I broke the world record in the 50. So that yes. was the second. So my 100, I broke twice no my hundred I tied twice actually 2018 was the first time I broke the 50 I believe so and I think yeah. I broke it again in 2019 now we're in 2020 crazy year how are you yeah. getting through right now like what is your for a long time I was thinking about the future it's kind of like all right well I'm setting up for world I'm setting up for commonwealth I'm setting up for olympics and now it's just I have to be present with where I am today. Like, okay, Alia, get out of bed because you have to practice. So I don't know when the next meet will be. 
Um, we don't know if Olympics is happening next year, but I still have to train like it is because I can't get to Olympics or I can't get to another meet and not be enough. So, so you're not done yet. I'm not done yet because it's funny when you said it because I didn't think about it that way of, of never being enough and only an athlete would know when they're enough and that's when you retire. But I've been thinking like I still have more to do but what else is there to do? I don't know. <laughs> but how exciting is that? It's so awesome. And there's competitions, yeah. When you're in the middle of lying down in bed. <laughs> so what I've been saying a lot of athletes out there and people listening might relate is that right now in COVID, what we need to do is really figure out like what our A game is right now. So your A game is what you bring to compete, but what it is that we can sustain and keep bringing competition date or not. So you know, what do we just keep doing no matter what, whether it competition's in three months or six months, and then that's what we build from. And once we get a date, we can reshift those goals. Yeah, I think that's the main thing. Um, hopefully, ISL will be going on this year. Um, so that's mm-hmm. one thing. Do you want to just explain quickly what ISL is for people that don't so know? So ISL is an um, international swimming league. So they started out something to make it seem like uh, like a basketball league. So it's international swimmers that's being joined on the individual clubs. So you could be swimming on a club with people all over the world. And for me, that's something special because I've never really had a competitive relay. I've had relays at a lower level meet, but like Worlds or Olympics, that we don't even have four people to go. So to be on a relay with like these top name swimmers, I was like, yeah, I'm a part of it. My relay can win. <laughs> Yay. That That's was pretty really special to have at this place in your career when it never would have been available to you, right? right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, you're not the main part of the relay. Like, you know the two other legs are going to kick butt too. All right. And I guess, Alia, for all the other swimmers in your team, in your ISL team, they do realize all the time. Yeah. Whereas you're yeah. like this little kid at the candy store just jumping up and down for your first big relay. You'll be amazing. Like, it's funny because I have, I'm 5'8", and I thought I was relatively tall. But when I'm there with, like, the Campbell sisters or Renomi Nome, I'm like, I'm so short. And so I'm like, let's go. Let's go really. <laughs> she, she's bouncing around the screen by now, right now, everyone. <laughs> so, Alia, thank you so much for all your insights and sharing with us today. Now, I have just a few quick questions to finish. So the whole yep. idea about this is just the first things that come into your head, just spit them out, okay? Gotcha. So number one, highest moment in your sport and why? I'm going to say it is 2014. Um, 2014? Yeah. Okay, the lowest moment and why? I'm going to say 2014. That year had the both highest and lowest. So tell me what happened in 2014. The highest so, was the world record? Yes, the highest world record, but also the mental the mental strength to come back after yeah. the lowest, which was Commonwealth. I think because of that, it showed not just physically you are ready. That wasn't, that was never the issue. Um, but mentally you could bounce back from this and be stronger for it. Yeah. I really believe the true strength of a champion. It's now not how far you fall, but how you get back up again. Okay. Mm-hmm. So three words to describe you as an athlete. Stubborn. Stubborn. Sure. Yeah. Got it. Um, loyal. Lyle, yeah. I am in the sport still after 26 years. Lyle to your sport. That's awesome. My goodness. And uh, I've been dedicated. Dedicated? Yeah. Yeah. 
resilient, yeah. perseverant, all of those. Yeah. <laughs> Did he come yeah. back for like what would have been your fifth Olympics? Jeez. Biggest yeah. inspiration? I want to say my mom. Just each day getting up and having that optimism to, to say push, push, push. Even and when be she... your whole support team. <laughs> No certifications, but she went in there. Okay. Um, so we all have a little voice in our head. Mm-hmm. What does your little voice tell you on competition day? I think my little voice is like a mirror. So whatever I'm feeling, it feels the opposite. So if I'm nervous, it will say, go, Alia, go, as my favorite cheerleader. If I'm too optimistic and be like, Psh, this is nothing, you'd be like, no, no, wait, wait, something might happen. It's like the devil's advocate almost, right? A little bit, yeah. Yeah. So what does it say to you on a hard training day? On a hard training day, if I'm feeling good and I'm actually working through it, it'll be like, come on, you can do this. Like, yes, you can beat those little kids. Because I assume in an age group program. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, show them what's up. (laughs) On a bad day, when I look like a rec swimmer and I'm really sore and my age is showing, um, Usually it's like, come on, Alia, just finish. Finish the practice. Just get it done. Have a great breakfast. <laughs> and last question, what is performance to you? So if you did, had to describe what performance is. Oh, performance to me has to be the way you, I'll say the, the way you physically and mentally, the way you physically and. So the way you show up. I guess, yeah, yeah, or endure, because performance could be, you could have a meet and be really bad on the first day, but if you're, if you endure through it and show up the next day, you could have a better meet, but not that many people do that. They could be physically great, but that first meet, they got DQ'd or something happened and your whole meet's done. So you have to be able to redirect and show up again and again and again. Performance isn't a destination or an arrival, right? It's like ongoing. Ongoing. You so never you choose read. performance. Like you choose yeah. to be a performer. You choose that, you know, if you're not enough, you're going to make sure you are enough. You're going to keep going. Mm-hmm. Just about. Just about. Got it. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing all that insight and your journey with us, Alia. Anything, any last words you'd like to say to our audience? To your audience, um, I know I said a lot of I am not enough type of thing, but self-confidence did come later on in my career, um, especially when talking to the younger athletes. Um, so I think having self-confidence is very important, knowing that what you're doing and how you're doing it to the best of your ability is great. The passion is where you need to strive having that that drive and that flame to keep on going and no matter what you do whether it's getting up in the morning going to work or whatever but know that if you give it your best you are enough so if you give it your best you are enough i love it mm-hmm. that's awesome now one other thing Alia, that i didn't mention before that i just want to touch on before we go yeah i guess i know you're quite passionate about um swimming in jamaica and mm-hmm. what what is happening with that at the moment and have you been able to kind of change a little bit how swimming is in Jamaica? I know you've in previous interviews, you've talked a little bit about, you know, trying to put Jamaica on the swimming world map. And Right now I am, we're probably in phase one. So for me, phase one means having more popularity in the sport, 
having parents learn how to swim and know the importance of swimming, not just as a sport, but as a necessity of life, like a life skill. And in turn, hopefully they will allow their children to learn. And so we can have new generations of children learning and learning and learning. Because what we're seeing is that families bring their children to the pool. They bring it to the beach. Um, so if we don't have it from the top of the, the cone, it's really going to filter down. So what I'm seeing in the last probably decade, a lot more athletes, not a lot more swimmers um, are talking about it. A lot more swimmers are educating the public, um, the Minister of Health. Um, the ASAJ, which is the Amateur Swimming Association of Jamaica, and a lot of new swim programs are building and learning to swim programs are building. So as a nation, we're learning how to see that as a need and having the children learn how to swim. And that's phase one. After that, we'll have a much bigger pool, quote unquote, to, to see if we can continue as swimmers and build a, a proper national team. But I think right now we're in phase one. Awesome. I see your vision that might be the post when you're enough in swimming as an athlete, maybe you'll be even more as a leader in the swimming world for Jamaica. We will see, for sure. We will see. Awesome. Thank you so much, Alia. I'll speak to you soon. All right. Before I go, don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to a podcast and give it a rating. That way you won't miss out on the next episode. If you have feedback or an idea for our podcast, you can contact us at purpose, the number two, perform on Insta or Facebook or email purpose, the number two, perform at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Remember, performance is not a passive experience. This podcast is produced by the Brisbane Podcasting Centre. Thanks for listening.